from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. A race against time. Right, the initial call we got was he was um, buried to his neck. The amazing rescue effort it took to save the life of a farmer trapped in a grain bin. It's the number one enemy of soybean growers, but there's a big development in the fight against soybean cyst nematode. And China makes another big buy of U.S. ag. The alternatives of where they're going to buy from are, are dry. And we're not talking about corn or soybeans. The latest right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. The wheat market starting the week off strong after a big buy from China. The country making another rare purchase of U.S. soft red winter wheat. But that's not all. Along with the 440,000 metric tons of soft red winter wheat to China, the USDA announcing a 10 million bushel sale of corn to Mexico and 183,000 metric tons of soybean cake to the Philippines. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, before some buys in October, the U.S. had not reported wheat sales to China since July of 2021. That's right. China's been quietly buying various classes of wheat the last few weeks, but this is their largest daily purchase of U.S. wheat ever. Now, the trade has been talking about the China business for several days, and market experts don't believe they're done. China is importing wheat after heavy rain hit key growing areas just ahead of harvest and reduced the quality of their crop. Monday's 16.2 million bushel purchase of soft red winter wheat brings China's total sales and shipments to 37.1 million bushels to date. And market analysts expect more U.S. business with Ukraine wheat exports down and global production issues. The alternatives of where they're going to buy from are, are dry. Australia's had a really tough year, so they're kind of back in the soup again when it comes to deficits. And, you know, Argentina, which would be one that you could go to, they're just such a mess on the export stage right now. I don't think they're dependable sellers. The U.S. is, if you're hungry in the world, you know, kind of look at this like any restaurant you go to. They are the 24-hour-per-day Denny's restaurant. You can go in there and get a good meal anytime. It's going to be delivered. U.S. wheat prices have also become more competitive, plus add geopolitical uncertainty. You do have to be a little bit concerned about escalation going on in shipping. You know, there were merchant ships fired on this weekend in the Red Sea, as well as a, as a U.S. naval vessel that was fired on. Uh, never mind all the ongoing things that are going on in the Black Sea. We have the supply and, uh, and certainly we can be a reliable supplier. And so uh, if we get anywhere close in price, we, we certainly have a chance to get some of that business. He says funds are record short over 200,000 contracts in the three classes of wheat combined. And Chicago and Kansas City put in key weekly reversals last week. So he thinks technically the market is bottomed and could see a decent rally. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. The Government Accountability Office releasing details about the 2022 crop insurance program, the information requested by New England Democratic Senators Cory Booker and Kristen Gillibrand. The GAO says in 2022, the federal crop insurance program cost $17.3 billion. $12 billion of that went to subsidized premiums for farmers. The report says from 2011 to 2022, insurance companies saw an annual return of nearly 17%, which is higher than the market-based rate of return, which it says was roughly 10%. Now, 
It says there have been about 460,000 policyholders participating in crop insurance there in 2022, covering about 493 million acres and about 0.3% of policyholders were considered high income or earning $900,000 or more in adjusted gross income as a three-year average. The GAO says larger policies made up about 2% of the total, but use about a third of operating and administrative costs. It recommends higher earning farmers pay more of their own premiums. A big development in the fight against soybean cyst nematode, a group of researchers has discovered a new gene that could be used to combat it. The Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network reporting scientists with the University of Missouri, the University of Georgia, and USDA all worked on the project. Now they say the gene they discovered could help soybeans develop genetic resistance to SCN. One researcher says the new gene basically starves any nematodes that try to eat at soybeans root systems and they say the next step in their research is to get it integrated into high yielding soybean varieties hopefully within the next few years. More news coming out of the COP28 climate conference in Dubai. Some major oil and gas companies are pledging to dramatically cut their methane emissions by the end of the decade. Among the companies that announced they will reduce their methane emissions by around 80 to 90 percent include ExxonMobil and Saudi Arabia's Aramco. It comes as the Biden administration also announced it has finalized a rule to cut methane emissions by nearly 80 percent through 2038. Now that rule will be implemented by the EPA and would crack down on methane leaks. The new policies will end routine flaring of natural gas that is produced by drilled oil wells and the EPA estimates the new policies will stop about 58 million tons of methane from escaping into the atmosphere during that period. Now that's the equivalent of taking more than 300 million gas-powered cars off the road for a year. A California poultry processor and supplier to well-known supermarkets has agreed to pay nearly $3.8 million in back wages. That's after the Department of Labor says it found the company put young workers in danger. The agency says investigators found the exclusive poultry employed children as young as 14 years old to debone poultry using sharp knives and operate power-driven lifts to move pallets. It says the children also worked excessive hours and that the company also retaliated against employees for cooperating with investigators by cutting their wages. The investigation included two poultry plants in City of Industry and La Fuenta, California. The exclusive poultry supplies poultry products to distributors who sell chicken products to, among others, Grocery Outlet, Cisco, Aldi, Nestle Purina, Royal Canaan, USA, and Ralph's. A winter storm hitting Utah over the weekend, bringing frigid temperatures and a lot of snow to the northern and central part of the state. Now, some higher elevations seeing up to 50 inches of snow in one of the state's first major storms of the season. The Utah Highway Patrol reporting it responded to over 100 crashes over the weekend. But that's not the end of it, as Utah and other states in the Northwest are expected to see both snow and rain this week. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with an update. Matt? Yeah, we're starting to see a little bit more a signal that uh, snow, more encompassing snow chances, going to be in the forecast, not early, but late in the forecast period. So we go through your Wednesday through your Thursday, see some light lake effect snow, more some slush with some of those warmer temperatures, especially the second half of the work week, but into the weekend. So this is through Wednesday that into the weekend and next week, next piece of energy starts to come into play. And if we can combine that with something we've struggled with this entire year, with some 
cold air. Now, obviously, that is going to spell the potential for more widespread snow uh, in and across the nation. So there's Saturday at 7 p.m. You got more light to moderate snowfall, but also uh, any uh, fall in the temperature, even just a few degrees, is going to spread that potential in and across the area. Let's go up. Uh, speaking of which, Canada. Uh, Dennis sending this picture and beautiful shot here, as of course he is continuing to work. And what kind of work? Well, it just never stops. It's estimated Louisiana's ag and forestry suffered more than a billion and a half dollars in losses this year due to this summer's drought and excessive heat. Those preliminary numbers coming from LSU Ag Center, it reports long stretches of record high temperatures and little rain led to yield and quality losses and increased production costs for farmers and livestock producers also having to deal with animal health issues and struggling to grow enough forage. And we told you how forest landowners faced wildfires. Now crawfish producers also had to deal with the potential threat of saltwater intrusion. Experts say unlike past natural disasters which only impacted portions of the state, drought and heat were experienced across the entire state for much of this year's production season. A flash sale of wheat helping markets to trade in the green. We'll talk about that and the pressure facing cattle prices coming up next in Markets Now. And later, he walked away from a life or death entrapment, the story of this incredible grain bin rescue in the country. And there's still time to sign up for the Case IH holiday giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of great gifts and we'll announce the winners just before Christmas here on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced just before the holiday on U.S. Farm Report. They'll win a Farmall C pedal tractor. To enter, head to the website on your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. Farm debt is on the rise, but balance sheets are healthy. That's the latest from the Kansas City Federal Reserve. It just released third quarter results. The bank says farm debt rose by about 5% compared to the same period a year ago. You can see that here on this chart. It points to demand for production loans as the biggest reason. However, loan performance is strong as delinquency rates declined for the third consecutive year, now sitting at historic lows. A good start to the week for wheat markets while soybeans and cattle face significant pressure. Michelle Rook breaks it down in Markets Now. Welcome to Markets Now. Ellen Brugler with Brugler Marketing joining us on a mixed close in both grain and livestock futures trade on Monday. Ellen, let's start off with the wheat market pushed higher here in part by China business. Will we see more business and is this the kind of catalyst that could finally get the funds to get out of that short position they have in that market? Well, I, I think there's definitely some further potential there. Uh, not necessarily China. I think China's got good reasons for buying it here. SRW wheat is very competitive with, with other origins on the FOB market, the SIF market. The, uh, uh, so if they're buying wheat, this is a, the U.S.'s reasonable place to buy it. Is this the catalyst that gets the short funds out of their short position? I think you've got some short funds that are underwater here. I mean, you look at Kansas City, it's rallied 50, 60 cents, at least off the bottom. Uh, SRW had kind of gone flat earlier. 
and it's starting to rally too. You do, again, you have had a near record short position in, in these markets and the aggregate across the three weeks was record short. So yeah, there's fuel here for, for a short covering rally, at least till you get to say a 38% retracement on some of these charts. Uh, the, uh, the, the argument against it, of course, is the last 10 or 12 rallies have all uh, been cut off at the knees and, and the thing has continued to grind lower. So Monday, live cattle futures hitting some more new lows for the move feeders, some new contract lows there. We've had a big correction, but how much lower do you think we have to go here? That's an, always a difficult question when, you're, when you've got a falling knife situation. Uh, it's clearly uh, a little bit of economic pessimism, concern that, that the consumers won't pay these beef prices for long. It's higher carcass weights than, than we've seen in quite some time, which means uh, there's plenty of beef supply. Uh, certainly a lot more beef supply than we thought was going to be available this time of the year, given where we are in the cattle cycle. But the big factor here is just the, the spec funds were long for a year, year and a half there by fairly substantial amounts. The shorts have just been feeding margin calls in there. Now the, the funds have decided that while this cycle hasn't turned the, the blooms off of this thing, they want out. The shorts are saying, what's your hurry? I'd like to get some of my money back. All right. Thanks for joining us, Ellen Burglar, Burglar Marketing, and we'll have more Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by Tyrannus, moving the acre forward. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Yeah, an overall temperature outlook between the 9th and the 13th. We got above average temperatures in and across the United States and significant warming going on uh, into the Northeast, right about average into the Midwest and then through the 13th, uh, warming back up out here to the West. So it's kind of that trend that we saw all through November where the cold air outbreaks are lasting uh, maybe three or four days before things come back up above average. Now the precipitation outlook, we're gonna start tapping into a little bit more Atlantic moisture back out here towards the East. Not seeing much during this time period for significant snowfall, uh, but where that cold air obviously combines with that available moisture, higher elevations, start to see a little bit more snow in the forecast back up into the Northwest. Again, that's December 9th through the 13th. Let's jump into that jet stream. So for your Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, we'll see a pocket, uh, this kind of clipper system move off to the Northeast. And as we talked about last week, ridge of high pressure building in. Start to get a little bit more zonal, meaning not as much energy north to south, but another clipper system this weekend will bring down some of that colder air. So there's a jet stream on Thursday as you go into Friday and Saturday. There's a look at that trough starting to dig down uh, north to south. This is more typical of uh, kind of a widespread snow system. But what we're battling is the above average temperatures ahead of it. So it's not necessarily going down below average with snowfall throughout. Rather, it's above average initially coming down to average by Saturday and Sunday. What that's going to do is that's going to mix the precipitation you know, for a large portion of the United States between the snow and the potential for some rain. Again, there's a jet stream on Saturday uh, into Sunday and Monday. Very similar situation that we've seen is a ridge building back out here to the west. So as you get in next Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, this cold air uh, is going to try and stay in and across the Midwest, but a lot of it is going to be nudged back up to the north. 
Let's start off with Wahoo, partly cloudy, high of 46, low of 25. California, Hawthorne, sunny, high around 79 degrees, low of 54. And finally, let's go over to Utah, sunny, high of 48, low of 31. A major customer of U.S. dairy just isn't buying as much as usual. We'll tell you how that's impacting milk prices coming up next. And later, we're off to Tennessee where rescue crews were able to save a farmer's life after he found himself trapped in a grain bin in the country. Chinese imports of dairy remain depressed and that's continuing to impact things here at home. Serena Sharp with the Daily Dairy Report says recent economic issues in China are having an impact on the country's milk and dairy product imports. She says despite a modest slowdown in domestic milk production, China clearly has enough whole milk powder on hand in order to avoid buying from other countries and that has kept global milk powder prices in check. Now, year-to-date, China's whole milk powder imports are lagging last year by 38%. Looking away, China imported almost 119 million pounds from all sources in October. That's a more than 3.5% decline from a year earlier. Now, year-over-year, year, imports of U.S. whey products also fell for a fifth straight month, down almost 13%. Following the recent ruling against U.S. dairy producers and their complaint about access to Canadian markets, USDA Chief Tom Vilsack says it's time for a more creative approach. Now, as you'll remember, a USMCA trade panel ruled in favor of Canadian restrictions on dairy import quotas last month. And when asked about it, Vilsack telling Reuters his administration will continue to look for creative ways to promote and sell dairy in Canada, adding that the goal is to get the share U.S. producers were promised. He did not identify specifics, but says USDA and the U.S. Trade Representative will continue to push for market opportunities. December is the month of giving. Up next, we'll see how a rescue team gave the gift of life to a farmer in Tennessee in the country. Grain bin entrapments don't always end with good news, but last week, a scary moment in Tennessee as a farmer found himself trapped up to his neck in grain and in desperate need of rescue. Nick Barris of News Channel 5 in Nashville takes us inside the urgent rescue operation. Here you see those rescuers inside the grain bin working frantically to save a man's life. A farmer in Lawrence County found himself suddenly trapped in a huge mound of corn. Rescuers compare it to being caught in quicksand. It's a force that pulls you down and, um, you know, collapses on top of you at the same time and puts an immense amount of pressure on your body. First responders called to the scene used ropes to rappel down into the grain bin from above. Once inside, they found the man nearly buried completely in corn. Right. The initial call we got was he was um, buried to his neck. He was covered to just right below his mouth. Fate intervened. Another inch or two and the farmer would have suffocated to death. But he was conscious and breathing as crews here started installing something called a great wall device, hammering it down around his body to hold the loose corn back. Then a vacuum was used to begin removing the corn until the man could finally be freed. After that, he was removed through an emergency side access door on the bin incredibly unharmed. Considering so many of these incidents end badly, first responders were gratified by this result. They trained for these very rescues with equipment like this specialized grain bin rescue truck, 
often paid for by donations from the farmers themselves. In a business where we have a lot of losses, it's good to have a win, and uh, I, I'm proud of everybody. And we thank Nick Barras of News Channel 5 in Nashville for sharing that story with us. And a shout out to all of those rescuers who came to the farmer's aid. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.